Bible study and meditation. We call ourselves Christians because we have become followers of Jesus Christ. That's where we get our name, Christian, from Christ. Okay? Now, we know that he, Jesus, he, Jesus is no longer walking the planet in the flesh. You can't travel somewhere to go see him or hear him speak, right? But his spirit is a real presence upon the earth drawing people to himself. The spirit of God is calling humans and inviting us to know him. And that's exactly what Jesus said before he left earth. In John 15, 26, he said, But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father... He will bear witness. That means to testify or to speak. He will speak about me. So when Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, I'm going to send the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to be in the earth, covering the earth, speaking about me. And he's not leaving. All right? Until Jesus returns, the Spirit will be here on earth. But here's the thing. Spiritual sensitivity and awareness is not the most natural thing to us humans. It's just not. And God's aware of that. And in our weakness, God has supplied what we need to overcome our dulled senses. The generations of people that lived before Jesus, so we're talking Old Testament now, those people, they were limited in their understanding of God. Just as those who lived before the technology age would be flabbergasted by the world around us, right? It's, you know, take Solomon, for instance. Solomon, who lived about 3,000 years ago. And, and as we studied through the Bible, we've learned about Solomon, how he had this incredible God-given wisdom. We went through the book of Ecclesiastes. We saw he just pursued education. He pursued everything, right? That was Solomon. He'd taken it all in. But if we brought Solomon back here and dropped him in the middle of downtown San Diego, his mind would be blown. He'd be like, what's going on? Airplanes and automobiles and streetlights and all these people, skyscrapers. He would be like, whoa. All right? But, but for him, it'd be surreal. This can't be real. But we know it's real. Right? In the same way, our knowledge of God with our limited uh, our limited foresight and understanding is, is limited in the same way that, that Solomon would be limited. We have a view, we have an understanding of the way the world works and how things are. But there's so much more beyond what we see and what we understand and what we comprehend. We see the fingerprints of a creator on the world around us and even in our own bodies. We see the design elements that are here. But deep understanding of God still eludes us. A sense of natural law, what's right or wrong, is found in every ancient culture. But the source of the law is still veiled. In every culture, no matter the, the century, almost every, there's a couple that they uh, make some exceptions for, but in almost every culture, murder is wrong. <laughs> okay, And it's always been that way. I'm not saying killing other people is wrong. Uh, there, there's lots of other things there. But in most cultures, forever and always, murder has been wrong. It's kind of a, a, a general, natural law thing. 
But why is that wrong? Well, it's, it's wrong because it's part of the natural law that God has established. But that doesn't mean you necessarily know the God that established the law. If we were only given the world around us, we would have an incredibly primitive understanding of God. We'd see some things that say, hey, this seems bigger than me. This seems beyond me. This seems beyond human invention. But I don't know necessarily what that is. We couldn't discover and comprehend him. Therefore, God chose to reveal himself to us. And he's done so in various ways. And each of the ways is important. And that's, that's is important for us to understand because many things have been done in the name of God that ignore the whole picture that God has given us. And one of the most specific ways that God the Father revealed himself to us was by supernatural revelation to people called prophets. What does that statement mean? It means God spoke to people. In Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, this is how it starts, chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. God has revealed himself as Father to the Old Testament prophets, as Son through Jesus Christ, and as Spirit through the Holy Spirit. And this revelation has been recorded in the written scriptures. God is revealed in the Bible. And that's the inspired plan of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says that. All scripture, this thing, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, the goal of this message isn't to convince you of the validity and authority of the Bible. That's good and important, but it's not the topic for today, all right? Instead, what I'm hoping to do is not to, to, to make you believe that God spoke through the Bible. What I'm trying to do is get you, because most of you probably already believe that, what I'm trying to get you to do is to be inspired to use it in your own spiritual life. Use the scripture that God has revealed himself to us through. I want you to use it. And how do we use it? That's where we come to study and meditation. Now, one way that I want you to be able to think about this uh, to help clarify a little bit is think of it as, as head and heart. Study, the head, and meditation, the heart. That's what we want to talk about here with study and meditation because we need both. It's, it's about knowing the information of the Word of God and being transformed by its truth. Let me say that again. It's about knowing the information and being transformed by its truth. You're knowing it in your head. You're being transformed in your heart, right? The, the core of your being. So let's start by talking about study. Now, I know that when, even when I say the word study, some of you are like, ugh, study. Because when I say study, for a lot of you, when I say study, you say school, <laughs> right? That's how it works. And for many of you, you're like, ah, school. Some of you are like, school. 
but it's different depending on who you are. But for a lot of people, it isn't a pleasant topic. But here's the thing. Studying is not confined to the classroom. We're not talking about studying in school. In fact, the dictionary definition of study is this. Application of the mind to the acquisition of knowledge. Here's what I want you to, to see. We don't just study school subjects like math and language, but we also study the things we love. You may not realize it because it doesn't feel like school. It doesn't feel like you're studying, but you study the things you love. I love surfing, if you haven't heard that yet. I love to go surfing. But because I love surfing, I understand about things about the ocean floor and bathymetry. Some of you are like, I didn't even know bathymetry was a thing. Yes, it is. I know things about resins and foil rake and, 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 and fin control and all these other epoxy technologies and wetsuit material. You're like, why would you know any of that stuff? Because I like to surf, and those things help me surf. <laughs> so I've learned, and I'm a geek, but that's, other, that's, that's beside, right? We, we study, we get into the things we, we like. Many of you have, have statistics imprinted in your brain baseball things and basketball things, stuff that happened before you were born and you have these, these stats in your head, right? Why? Because it's things that you love. Some of you who are car people, you know all kinds of stuff about cars. You know about what size wheels they offered on the 1964 or whatever, you know? That's my dad. He can tell you the taillight differences between 63 and 64 on this car or that car, right? We study the things we love, and, and that's the way it works. And when we first come to know Jesus, we discover love. We love because he first loved us. When we understand and believe what it is that he did for us, our hearts begin to overflow with love. That's why we give our lives to, to God. We realize he loves us. And, and re we reciprocate that love because like he wants to love me. I want to love him. And as we love him, and we, we begin to learn and study about him. And the Bible is given to us to learn and know more about the one we love. God wants us to know about him. And he wants to, be, he wants to, be, to know us and to be known by us. And he gave us the Bible for that purpose. Jesus came as a teacher and a preacher. What was his textbook? The Bible. That was the Old Testament scriptures at that, at, at that time, right? But it was the Bible. He studied it. You may not have thought of this, but Jesus himself, as a human being, fully man on earth, he studied the Bible. He memorized the Bible. He learned anew. You might be like, well, wait a minute. Couldn't he? We won't talk about that right now. Couldn't he just like tap the father and say, now what did you say in Jeremiah 3? You know? No, he studied it. Like any good Jewish boy, he would have gone through all of the, 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 the teaching process that he went through. But he learned it. He studied it. And he taught from it. And then he expanded on those scriptures. And his teaching was recorded in what we have as the Gospels. And the Holy Spirit's work is recorded in the rest of the New Testament. We see the Father, we see the Son, and we see the Spirit in the Bible that we have. All right? So how then do we study it? 
All right, how do we study it? I'm going to give you three ways that we study Scripture. Number one, they're simple. Number one is we read it. Okay, this may be new news to you, but this Bible, when I say I want you to have a Bible, it's not just so that you go out and you get a Bible. You're like, oh yeah, I want one that's leather, like the gilded edges around it. I'm going to put my name, my, my has the name, I'm going to put my name on the front of it. It's not just so that you have it, you put it on your coffee table, you put it in your car, you're like, that's my Bible. No, it's not just for looking at, it's for reading. You're supposed to read it. I bet every one of you in here have a Bible. But I don't know if I could say, and I know every one of you have read it. Right? It's, it's okay, you're not alone in it. But the first way that we study it is by reading it over and over and over again. I've read the Bible many times, but every single time that I read it, I learn more from it. Every single time. You could read it every day for the rest of your life, and you still will not come to the end of what it has to teach you about God. You will learn things from it every time you read through it. And few generations have had the privilege that we have of, of having it, of having access to the Bible. And for many, even if they had access, they were illiterate and couldn't read it for themselves anyway. But that's not the case with us, guys. For most of us, for all of us, we have access to Bibles. If you don't have access to a Bible, you do now. There's one on the back table for you. Take it home with you. Right? We have access to it, but we have to read it. And there's all these tools that can help you read it and help you study it. And yes, there are parts of the Bible that when I read it, it seems as dry and boring as boring can be. When I, list, when I read a whole list of names that I can barely uh, pronounce about this person, had that person, had this person, that person, and there were this many generations and that. Okay, I get it. I understand. But there's a lot still in there, even in that stuff, that you can learn if you will study it. So the first way that we study it is by reading it. Read it for yourselves, okay? Read it for yourselves. Get yourself a Bible and read it. You know, even now in modern times, many of us, even probably today, we go to this for our Bible. No problem with that, okay? You, you can have a Bible, free Bible, on your phone. But let's make sure, you know how your phone will sometimes ask you, do you want us to offload the unused apps on your phone? I don't know if that happens to you. That's not how our Bible's supposed to be, guys. <laughs> you might say, well, I've got it. Yeah, I've got it in my pocket. Got it on my phone. Okay, but you still have to read it. Okay, so the second way we do it, not only do we read it, but we hear it. All right, and this is where a lot of people say, well, that's how I want to do it instead. I don't want to read it. I just want to hear it. Okay, all right. Hearing it is one of the ways that we study it, all right? The people of God have taught the scriptures as long as there have been scriptures to teach. Once Moses received the commandments and the law, he began teaching it to the people on a regular basis. We carry on that tradition uh, in our worship services by hearing the word of God with teaching and preaching. You're actually hearing the word right now. This is good. This is part of the way that you're studying it. Right? That's important. That's good. We hear it. We read it. And then the third thing that we also need to do is it's good that we talk about it. You may not realize this, but one of the ways that we learn 
is by having conversations about something. How I've learned a lot of things about surfing is by talking to other surfers. It's, it's understanding these, these, the knowledge that's passed on and passed down and passed around. As we talk about it, we study it. When we have conversations about it at home or work or school or life group, we're studying God's word. We're learning more about it and we're keeping it in front of us. In, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, this is a very important passage of scripture for the Jewish people. It's important for us as well, but listen to it. It's called the Shema, if you want to know. It says this, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words, the word of God, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Now, this passage of scripture, the, the Orthodox Jews take it very literally. In fact, when they see this passage of scripture, it says, yeah, it should be right, right between your eyes. They said, okay, well then what we're going to do is we're going to take a little piece of paper and we're going to have a microscopic little writing and we're going to write on here that verse and we're going to roll it up as a little scroll and we're going to build a little box and we're going to tuck it in that box and then we're going to strap it to our heads. This is a picture. This is legitimate, guys. You see that thing? If you've ever seen an Orthodox Jew, you see the little box on the head? It's called a phylactery or a teflon. And what they have done there, inside that box, if you were to open it up, this scripture is written. Now they're taking it very literally to say, okay, and they wrap it on their hands too. And they'll say, I'm gonna put it on the back of my hand because it says it right there. They write it on their doorpost. There's this little thing called a mezuzah on every Jewish doorpost that has the scripture on the scroll, rolled up, dropped in the thing. It's on my doorpost. It's on my head. It's on my hand. Now, I think that what God was trying to say was, Soak yourselves in the word of God. Study it. Absorb it. Memorize it. Know it. Talk about it here. Talk about it there. Hear it. Listen to it. Read it. Soak your lives in the word. Okay? That's what's being described. But studying God's word, getting it into your head, isn't the end. It's good to get it into our heads, but it must get into our hearts as well. And that's where we come to the last section here today. You're doing well, guys. You're you're staying awake. Good job. Keep it going. All right. The next section that we want to talk about is meditation. All right? Study and meditation. Now, just like study can give, uh, throw up some red flags for some people. It's mostly just people that hated school. Meditation, a lot of times, has gotten a bad rap too. All right? Even in Christian circles. Because for a lot of Christians, you hear the word meditation, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's back to the yoga studio. What are we doing here? This is all this Eastern thing of, oh yeah, I'm going to find nirvana because of my meditation. Um, it's, it's not some out-of-body experience of an Eastern religion. That's not what it is. Meditation is focusing on the Word of God and digging into the deeper levels of meaning and then applying it to our lives. God himself told people in the Bible to meditate on the word of God. He told that to Joshua in Joshua 
He said, this book of the law, the Bible, the scripture, shall not depart from your mouth. And I'm waiting for the Jews to say, you know, that they always carry a little scroll tucked away, like some dip in the corner, you know. Um, it's a, doesn't, it said don't depart from the mouth, you know. Um, that's not what's happening. He, he says this. He says, don't let it depart from your mouth. But listen, you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Do you see how that echoes what I told you about spiritual practices before? I told you spiritual practices help you prosper. That's exactly what God told Joshua. He said, I want you to meditate on this word. Don't let it leave you. Stay focused on it. Stay in it. Understand it. Know it. And then you're going to prosper. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Eastern meditation seeks to empty the mind and to remove oneself from the world. Christian meditation seeks to fill the mind with the things of God and engage with the world. And it's in meditation that the word sinks into our hearts from our heads. Okay? So then how? How do we meditate? And I know that that sounds very complicated or reserved for like the holy saints or the, the, the brilliant theologians, but it's not. Just like reading the scripture, studying the scripture is for every Christian, meditation on the scripture is for every Christian. Just like I gave you three ways to study, I'm going to give you three ways to meditate. The first thing that you need to do to meditate is not to get a yoga mat and a beaded necklace. That's not it. The first thing you have to do, though, to meditate is to show up. All right? You just have to show up. I can't meditate for you. I kind of do meditate for you. <laughs> because when I'm coming and bringing a message, that's what I do. I study the word, try to get it into my head. Then I try to apply it to my own life, look at my own life, sort through what those scripture is telling me. I'm sitting before God and saying, God, speak to me here through your word. What is it that you have for me? What, it is, what is it that you have for your people? Then I try to organize that into some sort of coherence, get it down, and then I come and I bring it and I give that to you. So that's like third stage somewhere you get most of my meditations. For you. But I can't meditate personally for you. I can only offer you what I've heard from God. But each one of us is responsible for our own relationship with God. None of you, and this would not even be good, are going to show up to the gates of heaven and say, hey, you know, I'm here, I belong here because, you know, I went to South Point. And uh, Pastor Brett, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Don't, don't rely on that, right? Each one of you are responsible before God for your own faith and your own walk with him. And he wants to speak to you. He's not just supposed to, supposed to speak to the pastor and then give it to you. He wants to speak to you. He does speak to us through others. But one of the primary ways that he speaks 
is through his word as we meditate on it. And if you don't show up, you won't hear what he has to speak. Secondly, first off, you show up. Secondly, you create space. You create space. Richard Foster, in his amazing book, it's called Celebration of Discipline, said this. He said, in contemporary society, our adversary, referring to the devil, majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. I cannot overstate the importance of this statement. This is how we live life. It's not just me, although it is me and my family. I know it's you guys and it's your families too. We stay very busy. There's a lot of noise around us and we go, 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 go. Meditation doesn't happen that way. And if you really want to hear the voice of God, you've got to create space that protects you from the rest of the noise and the busyness and the speed and the overstimulation that's happening all the time. It's, it's, it's how you have to do it. I used to, especially when I was younger, I used to love to go to concerts, live music. I know some of you do too, right? But have you ever been at a concert before? Loud, live music, the room is full, lots of people, lots of noise, speakers, subwoofer in your chest, like, yeah. But have you ever tried to talk to a friend that you're with at that concert? Do you realize what you're doing? Like, I've got to go to the bathroom. You know, you're screaming in their ear next to you. In, a, in an empty, quiet room, as you turn to try to say that, they punch you in the face. Like, why are you screaming at me? But here they're like, huh, what? Say it again. It's because there's so much noise. You can't hear what's going on next to you. And here you're screaming, trying to get your voice uh, out there. But our lives are so noisy and so busy and so hurried that it's the same kind of issue that God has trying to speak to us. He's yelling at us in the concert. And we're like, eh, eh. It's not how it's supposed to be. We have to silence the noise. We have to carve out space and we have to protect it. And, and let me say this. That is going to look very different for each one of us. Okay, there is no, I can't just give you this, here's how you do it. Because for you, it's going to be different. Our schedules are all different. Our environments are all different. There's different seasons of life for us. Moms of young children are going to have a very different situation than somebody who's retirement age and has some more time on their hands. It's going to be very different. But we can all make space in our lives for the important things. We do it. We find ways for the important, we find space for those important things. Guys, I'm telling you, this is important. Even if you can only protect 10 minutes in a day, do it. Do it. Step away from the phone. Step back from the phone. Step away all the other demands of life and be still before God. And the last thing here, we're almost done. We're almost done here. So we show up, we create space, and finally, being a pastor like I am, I tell you I'm going to give you one, and I kind of squeeze two into one. We listen and obey. All right? We listen and obey. I won't guarantee 
that God is going to stun you with some prophetic word the first time you take time for this. But it won't take long for you to start sensing his guidance and his direction and his presence when you seek him. That's what happens when we begin meditating on his word. We begin getting a whole nother level of just, I read the words and now I'm done. What happens is God begins speaking to us. And when he speaks, we obey. That's what we're called to do. And so this week, as we finish here today, this week, I want to challenge every one of you to study and meditate on a passage of Scripture. Now, if you're the the type already, they're like, I have a reading plan. I read the Bible, and I'm going through it. Great. Stick with your plan. But this is what I want you to do. After you read your little passage of Scripture uh, that you have marked out, maybe it's a, a reading plan where you check a box or whatever, or, or you've, you've got an app that sends you, here's my daily readings. Um, those are all good things, great tools. Once you've read that passage, you're not done. Now what I want you to do is I want you to think about that passage, and I want you to say, okay, I'm going to look at this one little phrase. I want to look at this one word, maybe. I want to look at this concept that I just read here. And I want to take that, and I want to sit before God, and I want to keep things quiet, and I want to just talk to God about this. And I want to see what he might have to say to me about this from this little section. If you're not at that spot, if you're like, oh, I don't have a reading plan. I've, I mean, I'm waiting for you to read it to me. Um, that's okay too. I don't want you to stay there. But if that's the case for you, I've got a passage for you. I picked one. All right. I want you, and write this down if you need to, or take a picture, whatever. Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. Now, I know what you're thinking already. Hey, that might be long. That may take me a long time. Guess what? It takes 32.9 seconds to read those eight verses. I timed it for you. And I wasn't reading fast, okay? So 32.9 seconds, you can read those eight verses. And I want you to read that a few times. Go somewhere quiet with your Bible. Spend a couple of minutes asking God to just bring stillness to your soul. Set aside your thoughts and concerns for the day and then read that passage a couple of times and then ask God to speak to you. That's all you've got to do. And then you just wait. You just wait before God. You just sit and see if God might speak to you. You listen for his voice. What I do then after that process is then I begin to, I write write down my thoughts in a journal that helps me stay focused because my brain's all over most of the time. All right? Journaling's a whole other spiritual practice. That's not what we're talking about here. But you can do that too if, if you need to. But it's still connected. Then listen to the promise of Scripture in that. Lamentations 3.25 says this. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him. That's where you're going to start hearing the voice of God. That's where you're going to start seeing where God is actually wanting to lead you. And it'll, it'll transform your life. My prayer is that we would be a people who know and love God. That's what a church is. And these practices are a part of that path. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the tools that you have given us in this life to know you. Thank you, Lord, 
for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the words that you spoke to your prophets. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that's inviting each of us into a relationship with you. And God, I pray that we would be a people that hear your voice, that are led by your voice, that know your word, that study your word, that meditate on your word. And I know it's hard, and I know it takes time, but Lord, give us the courage to lean into it and to be obedient in it. God, I thank you for the example of Jesus and that he studied the word. He meditated on your word. And and, then the other things that we're going to look at, the way that he carved out time to pray and to fast. Lord, help us grow in all these areas. We want to be people that are being transformed by you, renewed by you, healed by you, empowered by you. And we just pray that you would help us do that every single day, one day at a time, as you bring us toward you in glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.